Good morning, everybody. My name's Tim. I'm the senior minister here at St. John's. And as Andrew said, we're trying to uh, do our, our teaching and our services in a bit more of an interactive way over the school holidays. We don't have our regular uh, kids' programs, so we're all in together, young and old, and we're going to try and make our teaching reflect that. Um, so what I'd love is um, if you could have a Bible open um, and uh, families, if you could have a Bible there, there's a few parts where I'm going to ask for your interaction and help. Uh, there's a few bits where I'm going to refer you to the Bible to look at together. If you've got kids who can read, um, they can have the Bible and you can sort of help them find the little bit. If you have children who can't read, you might need to just sort of read the little bit out to them. Uh, and we want to try and do this as a learning experience uh, together. Um, churches tend to do a sermon series on Nehemiah um, when they're undertaking a building project. And it's my great pleasure to announce today that we're not doing a building project. Uh, we're just looking at Nehemiah because we thought it was a great book to do together. It's very um, practical um, tactile in the sense that it's about building something, building a wall, and we're going to look at it together. It's on page 383, that Bible reading, if you're looking for it. Now, I need two helpers um, to uh, come out and participate with me. Um, does anyone want to volunteer, or do we want to nominate? Um, right, nomination, nomination it is. Oh no, here we go. I need someone to come out and be a king. Who's always had visions of power and rule? Okay. No, here we go. Okay, out you come, Asha. You can come and be the king. Can you come and sit on the throne, please? So, Asha, this is your throne. You're not King Asha, you're King Artaxerxes. It's a big name, isn't it? Can that crown stay there? And we'll give you a royal robe because you're a very powerful person. You are the king of the Persian Empire. And as Andrew said, the Persian Empire covered a lot of the world, the known world at that time. So you are someone who has a lot of power. If you say something is going to happen, it happens. If you're not happy with someone, you can put someone to death if you'd like to do that. Um, you have the power of life and death in your hands. So you're King Artaxerxes. Now we need someone else to actually come and be Nehemiah, who's kind of the hero of this story. Can we have a Nehemiah? It doesn't have to be a child. Volunteers could be of all ages. If you lost your robes, we'll just drape that there to have sort of the visions of power. Jeremy, you can... This is the thing, right? When you're a student minister, you get called on to do these sorts of things. Um, Jeremy, you can come and stand here and hold the cup because Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king. So you've got a very important uh, job. Uh, you would have had to select wines for the king, decide whether he likes sort of Shiraz or... Um, I don't know... Um, you would have had to try the wines as well because the king didn't want to get poisoned, so the job of the cupbearer was to taste the wines and to make sure that no one was trying to kill off the king by poisoning the wine. So you would have had to taste the wine first. Is it all right? 
you're alive, so it must be all right. Um, you might be tempted to think, though, that Nehemiah's role was just a bit like a, a waiter or a drinks waiter, that it was as simple as that, that he was really just a servant. But if you think about it, his role was much more significant than that. He was in very close proximity to the king. He would have been with him through the day. So he would have played more of the role of a sort of informal advisor to the king, a confidant. Um, the king might have asked him for advice and he might have given it. Is there anyone here who's, who's a fan of the West Wing? I don't know how well this illustration is going to work, but Anna and I are re-watching the entire seven series of The West Wing at the moment, so it's on my mind. Uh, Charlie Young, who's the aide to the president, is not a bad parallel for Nehemiah. He's around, he's sort of managing um, the day-to-day -day life of the president there. But because he's in that sort of relationship, he gets asked questions, he gets to give advice, offer a word of encouragement. And so Nehemiah's role would have been a lot like that, where he would have been very close to the king with a imp very important job to do. Now, Nehemiah, you come in with your cup one day to serve the king and you're looking sad. You're looking very sad. Now, why is Nehemiah sad? Four months earlier, I say four months because if you look at the dates at the start of chapter one of Nehemiah and the date at the start of chapter two, um, there's four months gap that has happened. And four months earlier, people have come from Judah, from the city of Jerusalem, and they've told Nehemiah that the walls are still broken. It's in a terrible state and that the gates are still all burnt. Now, here's where I need to ask people here. Why do you think that would have made Nehemiah so sad to know that the walls of the city were still broken and the gates were burnt down. Yep, they had, they had already built the temple. They'd rebuilt the temple, that had happened, but the walls were still broken. Why might that be a problem, having broken walls? Anyone? You can call it out, that might be easier than me taking a microphone around. There's probably a range of answers. Why? What are some of the reasons that Nehemiah might have been sad about the walls being broken? Why is it a problem? Security. Security. Vulnerable to attack. Very hard to feel safe to rebuild a house when you've got no protection in those days. The walls acted as protection. So that's one thing. Anything else? Shameful thing for a city to be in ruins, even for a hundred years. Fill that out a bit more for me. Why is it? Why is it shameful? It was shameful because here was the city of God, and people So they're God's people and this is God's city and they've got this wall that has been broken down and remains broken down. There's probably a few things in there. It's a reminder every day, isn't it, of what has happened to you. You're living amongst the ruins. It's a reminder that you were beaten in war. It's also a reminder for them that the fact that they were beaten, God's prophets had said, is because they disobeyed God. They hadn't followed his rule and this was a punishment. So every day you're living amidst the ruins which is a reminder of everything that has happened. It's a very shameful thing. 
Anything else that you can think of as to why this was a problem? That's right. There was another breaking down of things in 70 AD by the Romans, but this was the Babylonians who had done this at this point. So Nehemiah is sad. Some good reasons there. It would have been pretty ugly too to live in a city with everything broken, wouldn't it? That wouldn't be nice. Imagine if your house had tumbling down walls and that's where you were living. So lots of reasons that Nehemiah might have been sad about it. Anyway, King Artaxerxes, you notice you have good emotional intelligence and even your servant who brings the wine, you notice when he's looking sad and you say, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. Now, we're told next that when King Artaxerxes notices that Nehemiah is sad, Nehemiah is afraid. Why do you think Nehemiah might have been afraid that the king had noticed that he is sad? Any reasons you can think of? He's there to serve the king so his own troubles shouldn't matter. That's right. So his job is to serve this very powerful person. He's supposed to probably have a good face on, not to worry the king with any extra worries. You've got a big empire to run. You don't have personal problems that you need to to deal with here. So possibly that's it. He's afraid because the king's noticed um, and he's not supposed to be looking sad when he's in the king's presence. Anything else? He's afraid because he knows what he's got to tell the king. This is his moment for action. Do you know, I think that's the main thing. Remember, four months ago, he got told that the walls have been broken down. That's the start of chapter one. And then the king says, why are you so sad? And do you know what Nehemiah's been doing for four months? He's been praying. Chapter one is full of a prayer that Nehemiah's been praying. For four months he's been praying about this problem and part of his prayer has been that he'll have an opportunity to talk to the king about it. And the king has noticed that he's sad and he's asked him a question. Part of his fear is that this is the moment for him to act. This is the time that he actually has to move from prayer to putting things into action and this is his opportunity. So he's probably a bit afraid because he's about to say something to the king. And the king, remember, you've got the power of life and death. If you're not happy with someone, you could say, off with his head, and he's about to ask you for a very big thing. But in spite of his fear, in spite of the danger, he asks the king. And he tells the king that his city is broken and burnt, and the king seems like a very nice king, is interested and says, what is it that you want? Now, what does Nehemiah do next? The king says, what is it that you want? And then Nehemiah does something. Can you remember what it is? Have a look at verse 4. Families, maybe read it to the kids, um, the start of verse 4, if you haven't... um, What's the first thing that Nehemiah does when the king says, what is it that you want? Call it out. He prays. He prays. Now, he's been praying for four months in his own sort of 
private times, he's probably been spending time talking to God. He's been laying this before God for this long period of time. Here's the moment when the king says, what is it you asked? And he prays. This is what you might call, um, kids, do you know this term, um, an arrow prayer, where you sort of just shoot off a quick arrow prayer to God? I'm pretty sure Nehemiah didn't do the action uh, to go with it. But it's the idea that in the moment when something is happening, to just give it to God there and then. Um, Some of you might know this song by Colin Buchanan. Have we got that cued there, John? Because this is where the language of Arrow, I don't know whether it predates Colin Buchanan, but you might know this little song. We'll just play a little bit of the beginning. You can tell the Lord that you love him anytime. You can tell the Lord that you need him anytime. Thank him for his love and care. Shoot him up an arrow prayer. Um, and in the verses that follow, it talks about, you know, if you're kicking the ball at school, you can tell God that you love him or that you need him. So um, for kids, when you're in a situation at school or at kinder or something's happening, maybe you're afraid like Nehemiah, maybe you're just feeling happy. You know, God is there and that you can pray a prayer in that moment. And for adults, if you're having something difficult happening at work or um, you're driving your car, wherever you might be, you can pray to God in those situations as well. And Nehemiah is a good example because Nehemiah is praying long extended prayers for big problems in his life. He's been praying for four months. But also he doesn't separate his relationship with God just into those moments of quiet, just in his set prayer times. But when he's in a situation, right in the midst of his work, something happening where he needs to bring it to God, he prays in the moment and he asks God to help him. So that's what Nehemiah does there and then. But having done that, he acts. It's not just prayer and not doing anything, but he prays and he also acts as well. And he says to the king what it is that he wants. He says, please can I go and rebuild the walls? And the king says, yep, you can go. Now Nehemiah could have stopped there. He's got his request, he's allowed to leave and rebuild the walls, but he doesn't. He's brave, he's courageous, and because he's been praying a lot, he trusts God and he knows that maybe God will actually keep answering his prayer and give him more things. So he also asked the king for a few extra things. Who can remember what he also asked the king to give him as well as permission to go? If you remember the pictures with the puppets, he was holding one of these things in his hands. What was it? Letter. So he asked for a letter to the person who's responsible for that part of the Persian Empire, the part across the river, which covers that whole kind of western, western part, and the letter would have been that he would have been protected 
while he was there that he wouldn't have been in danger. What else does he ask for? Yeah, he, well, he essentially asks for a Bunnings gift card. He basically needs materials that he's going to build these walls with. Um, they didn't have Bunnings in those days, uh, kids, if you're wondering. Um, but he gets permission that the person who's responsible for the forests with all the timber allows him to have the building materials that he needs. And so he also says to the king, you know, please can I have protection and please can you foot the bill for the entire building project by giving me your wood so that I can build it. And what does the king say? Yes. The king says yes. And why does the king say yes? Nehemiah's been very clever. He's phrased each of these requests in a very clever way. He's built up his case. He's been praying too, so he's been very diligent in his prayers. He's been courageous. He's been brave in asking for these things. But you know, none of those reasons are the reasons that the king answered his prayer. Have a look uh, in your Bibles. Uh, have a look at verse 8. The answer is in verse 8 as to why the king gives him what he needs. Have a look at verse 8. Maybe read it to your kids, if you've got kids sitting with you. What's the reason that the king gives him everything he needs? Someone can call it out. I can only hear mumbling. Maybe my hearing's going. The gracious hand of God was on him, which is a way of saying that God is watching over what he's doing. God has heard his prayer. God loves him and is looking after him and is making sure that actually when he asks the king that uh, God will ensure that request happens. The gracious hand of God was on him. And do you know later when Nehemiah goes and he inspects the walls and he needs people to get on board and to help him with the project, do you notice that he also, this is in verse 18 if you look down there, he also tells people who are going to be responsible for this building project what has happened with the king and the fact that God's gracious hand was on him when he met with the king. He basically says to people, do you know what, when I went and spoke to the king and I was really afraid, when I wasn't sure whether he'd answer my request, God was with me then, and so we can be confident that God is with us as we undertake this project to build the walls because God is in this. God is with us and he's going to help us. God answered my prayers and I reckon we can be confident that God will keep answering our prayers and make sure that this wall gets built. Well, you're going to have to come back next week to find out what happens next. But this is a good reminder today that when we need things, prayer is actually the very first step we should take. Extended prayer, calling on God over a period of time to answer those prayers, but not separating our relationship with God to the private part of life, only in our home or only in our set prayer times, but ensuring that God is integrated into every part of our life, into our work, into the tricky times when we've got a difficult conversation to have, and in the moment to bring it before God as well, just like Nehemiah did, and then to act. So let me pray a prayer, and then uh, we're going to do our next little activity. Dear God, thank you that you were ne with Nehemiah, that your gracious hand was on him, and thank you that you are always with us too, that you love us, that you watch over us, and you're there to help us. Please help us to be prayerful, to ask for your help, whether we're at school or at work or at home or whatever we're doing, 
and we thank you that you hear us and you answer our prayers as is best for us. Amen. Well, thank you. Uh,